Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario, and I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon, and, you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Fly Pan Am is an artful rock band based in Montreal, Quebec. Formed in 1996, the band released four albums on Constellation Records between 1999 and 2004, and each was sonically and aesthetically different than the last. Fly Pan Am went on an extended hiatus in 2005, but quietly reconvened 11 years later to play shows. It turns out they were also working on new material, as Constellation released their excellent fifth album, Cessa on September 20th, 2019. I recently had a chat with Fly Pan Am's Roger Tellier Craig and J.S. Trucci, and we got into their history as friends and bandmates, the material conditions of 1990s Montreal that brought us the likes of their band and Godspeed You Black Emperor and Constellation Records. Their new album, Cessa, their future plans, and more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton This is the 499th episode of Creative Control featuring Roger and JS from Fly Pan Am with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, Fly Pan Am. How are you? Good. Yourself? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, thank you for making time for, uh, for to be on this show. It's nice to have you. Now, we're going to begin by asking each of you to uh, identify yourselves one at a time and uh, say your name. If you want to say what you do in the band, that would be great. And then everyone listening will be like, oh, I understand what's happening right now. This is great. So (laughs) why don't we start with uh, either one of you, please? Okay, I'm uh, Roger. And uh, live I play guitar, but on record it's mostly processed and transformed guitar and electronics and vocals. Nice. Nice to meet you, Roger. Have we ever spoken before? No, it's the first time. It's it's very nice to, to chat with you this way. Thank you for being on this show. 
Same here. Thanks for having us. Of course. And uh, to your, I want to say to your right. You are uh, indeed yeah, right. You are correct. So <laughs> I'm JS, uh, bass, electronics, and some synth and some vocals. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JS, it's nice to have you back on the show. We were just discussing that you were on the show with which project? I think it was uh, for Avec le Soleil Sortant de sa Bouche. Yes, I, it, indeed it was. That must have been three or four years ago, I think. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Did you Did you miss me? I did. <laughs> it was It was very good to see your face uh, just now. Briefly, yes. We've turned off the video on this internet platform so that uh, we can just hear each other. I find it, it's just fine. To, just the, the same way people are listening to us. Why should we have any advantage <laughs> over my audience, right? They That's just, true. Yeah. Well, Although you are wearing a very nice sweater oh. that no one is going to see. <laughs> <laughs> you look nice too. Uh, oh, that reminds me. I, I normally will ask uh, guests when I'm speaking to them remotely where in the world they might be. So where in the world, uh, uh, Roger, where in the world are you today? Uh, we're in Montreal. You're in Montreal. Where, what, who's, are you at someone's ha- home or wh- wh- where are you? We're actually at JS's place in Montreal in Villeray. Okay, okay. And, and, and JS, you've lived in Montreal for how long? 43 years. The whole time, right? You've never lived yeah. anywhere else. Okay. No, it's a little bit hard for us to uh, move away, I think, just because uh, Montreal is, has a lot to offer and it's kind of cheap. Yeah. So. Right. Roger, is that the same deal for you? Have you been uh, the, your whole life? No, I've been here probably since I was like 20. Okay. So like 24 years. Nice. Okay. Where were you before that? I was in uh, on the South Shore, uh, Saint-Basile-le-Grand, and before that, Longueuil. Oh, so you're 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 a native of Quebec. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you haven't you haven't moved far from home. No. 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 Okay. No. It's all like you know, same region pretty much. It's just that, uh, you know, when I was twenty, I hit the big city. <laughs> I needed to get out of the suburbs. Right. Of course. Of course. I I never did that exactly. I visit yeah. the I visit the cities, but then I go back to the smaller towns. That's what I've I can always... understand that. Yeah, the doses of the cities are nice. Just I like a dose of it, and then I like to come back to sort of a more quieter place. Yeah, that makes sense. Wh- where are you? Well, I'm I'm in Guelph, Ontario. Oh yeah, right, 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 yeah. right. Okay, but Guelph is still a city. I mean, absolutely. Yes, I'm not in a shant. I'm like, like not in like a shed on a, on yeah. a shield or anything. <laughs> I yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's not a farm. Yeah. I, I, actually, it is known as a bit of an agricultural hub. But that's no. Yes, it's an abs- It's a city. All those sorts of things. Uh, yeah, th- which is good. I get to go to Toronto, and then I get to come home, and I don't have to right. deal with the humanity. Do you ever get sick of Montreal, either, either of you? Oh, of course. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> right. The, the, the overwhelming humanity of it all. Yeah, it's a bit intense. Right. I don't know about JS, but I do. Right. I mean, I, I would love to live uh, in uh, the country, you know, like, uh, but... Yeah, so Montreal can be intense sometimes, especially with all the traffic constructions we have, oh like all God. the construction we have, for, we've had for the last few years. But yeah, Montreal is construction city. As is but, as is Toronto, frankly. Shit, oh really? yeah, maybe. Wow. Yeah, but of course, right? This year is ridiculous. Like every street is <laughs> oh. kind of blocked, so it's kind of weird. But that said, like uh, liking to be in the country, um, I, I don't know. I kind of like Montreal. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, you know, has a very nice mixture of culture without being too big. You know, like Toronto is huge. Yes. Montreal is quite small. Yes, it's true. And, uh, you know, you can go to the mountain. You can easily escape Montreal. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, you know, you bike for 20 minutes and you're out of the city, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah, I love Montreal. To be honest, of, of the Canadian cities I've been to, it's my favorite. Yeah, but I, I I would like to experience just living in the country. Yeah, it would be nice. I can I I hear that. Now it seems to me, and we're going to get into the history of Fly Pan Am in a moment. We're ostensibly going to be talking about your excellent new record, Cesar. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thanks. Thanks. First record in what fifteen years? Exactly. That's amazing. That's great. So we'll we'll get into that obviously, but it seems to me that Fly Pan Am as a sonic enterprise really does reflect more of a cityscape than maybe a country one. Does that resonate with either of you, Roger? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, to, to me that makes sense, yeah. Is that purposeful on some level? Is it to, it's a, For those who haven't heard the band yet, there's a cacophony there that reminds me of almost 
you know, rush hour traffic, if you will. Yeah, I could totally see what you mean. There's definitely not a lot of pastoral moments in what we make. Uh, it's very uh, intense, overdriven, and dense, and plural. Yeah. I can see a link with uh, a cityscape. It's not intentional, though. I just think it's uh, maybe just the way we process ideas. JS, do you want to comment on this? Well, I was going to say just to go the other way around. (laughs) uh, I I mean, I I, I agree with what Roger said and your uh, proposition. But at the same time, you know, you could say the same about nature being because nature true. can be so chaotic and true. unpredictable. Yeah, that's true. And that's something that Roger and I talked a lot about when we were talking about composition, not necessarily for Fly Pan Am, but just even for our solo stuff, just how how nature can be so violent or so yeah. chaotic, yeah. so unpredictable. You know, like a tornado, like and I I like um I like that aspect just only because uh nature is is not uh, uh how do you say that? Like it doesn't have the connotation uh, being, uh, like, or being intense or dense or yeah it just is you know oh yeah 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 like it's it's, it's not violent uh, yeah like there's no intent like it's yeah. not it's, you know I, I would I would argue and, and not argue with you but I would I would agree with you I should say by suggesting that I find the stillness in nature to be just as overwhelming as the cacophony of of city life because it's sort of overwhelming the the isolation can be overwhelming as well if you if you you know, take a moment to escape the city and just delve into uh, a forest or if you go camping or whatnot, there's a, a yeah. different kind of alienation there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. And and also, like, I was talking more about the sounds, right? Like, um, so, like, if you're in nature, depending what, which month, but, like, if you go out to the country, then you could be surrounded by, like, uh, hundreds of crickets that are doing, oh, yeah, like, just this insane... It's intense uh, and beautiful. Yeah, polyrhythmic cacophony around you, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, at the same time, it can be, like, uh, the opposite, but, like, also overwhelming. But, but like, the, the sound aspect of nature can be... Like, it'll be different than city, but it can be just as... Well, it's a different scale, I think. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it, you know, like you might think that nature is is still, but if you start focusing and you start like approaching like a tree, uh, you get close to it, you see like an ant farm somewhere, like yeah. you realize there's just, there's a lot of density in the ecosystem. It's just not as apparent because it's on a smaller scale, so it doesn't take as much space because we're bigger, you know. Yeah, there's but, as, there's as much industry going on in the forest as there sure, is. That's it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just very different. It's very different. Yeah. yeah. This sort of speaks to some of my reading of. There's a few songs on this new album that that have lyrics. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're almost presented as as poems uh, on some level. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of lyrics are, but when I read them on off the page, they're presented almost as as little poems or not little poems but poems i suppose and discrete discrete channeling this piece of yours yes i feel like follows some of the conversation we've had um there's a lot of sort of i'm not sure what the uh, i have to call upon my english degrees here and i and i don't have them Uh, i don't know the term for this but you've got basically two words um that sync up Uh, you've got these pairs of words whole incompatible outside visible uh fog radical outside retention there is this local disruption you jack into it every day i'm just sort of skimming through these lyrics but i feel like that follows maybe what we were just discussing the outside is very present on this record yeah yeah definitely uh i think it's very present in even our um, conversations um just how things are hard to understand (laughs) i don't know outside in that sense you know like a kind of uh total alterity right yeah it's also that the outside just you know to a big degree i was i was gonna say to some degree but uh that would be an entire different conversation but to some degree the outside or or l'autre you know like uh the other like right basically makes up who you are and yeah and your place in the world or how you perceive yourself in the world you know um whether you want it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I think it's something that obsesses us. Yeah. Or and has been, has been doing, uh, or it has been so for like a good twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you are arguably make outsider art. Um, 
<laughs> you exist on the fringes and, and the margins on some level with the music you make. I mean, there's a whole other relationship with, and I think that's what you were maybe just getting at, like to be outside of the mainstream. Uh, well, is, not, it, not necessarily though. Oh. I mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean like that we perceive ourselves outside, but that you like that you, at least for myself, like I, I I'll, I have an image of myself based on, on uh, unfortunately, what others perceive of me. Right. Same thing with like outside art. Mm-hmm. Like I don't consider that I make outside art, yeah. but others do. Of course. <laughs> you know, like for, for... to me, it's not, like I, I, I never think that what I do is going to be that experimental or that uh, I don't know how to say. It, well, but... it's like with your other project, Avec le Soleil. You, yeah. You, you were constantly hitting the, you know, like not frustrated, but like you, you think about that project as a pop project and, yeah. and everybody constantly tells you like it's experimental music or experimental rock. And you're like, this is not how I perceive it. This is not what I set out to do. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's okay. We've really run the gamut in terms of what outside means at this point. We've talked about, <laughs> we yes. talked about the outdoors. We've talked about margins and now we're talking about external perceptions. Uh, mm. And how they impact you, and it sounds like, in a way, they do, and in another way, they don't. You don't really are. You're not that mindful of what other people think in terms of how it informs what you do, mm-hmm. but you're also a bit bewildered that they think it's one thing when you think it's a totally natural and normal expression. <laughs> you're not deliberately trying to do something that is going to unsettle people per se. Well, you know, I I could say that uh, we are. We just know that it's going to happen, so we trust the path that we choose to explore. And if we come up with like weird amalgamations, then we just like flow. We go with the flow. It's like it's we're we're into the idea that it might be odd for some people, but it's not deliberate. We're not doing it to be odd. It's more like oh well, if it's odd, then that means that it's going to that people are going to interact with it in an interesting way instead of just like eating something that's prefabricated that they already know how to manage and digest. Like we're, we like the idea of having something that might be a little bit, you know, something they might need to interact with more. I think there's a context that gets applied to uh, your work together, together or in your solo work because you have this association not only with Fly Pan Am, but with Constellation Records. Yes. With a label that comes out of Montreal, that emerged out of Montreal, that, that shaped a different kind of Montreal, uh, yeah. And it has been doing so for almost 25 years or something now. Um, yeah. So th- automatically, that's a prism that your work is going to be seen through because of that association. Absolutely. So is that hard to live down or do you just it's do you just work irrespective of all that? Yeah, I, I'd say we kind of work irrespective of that. I, that's my perspective, my, yeah. my perception. I don't know about you, but like I'm not thinking about, oh, it's going to be read through like that. Yeah, no, no. I, I think we... Re- regarding solo work or band work i think we just really leave we 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 just have the idea of wanting to create something interesting to us yeah. and and hopefully not repeat what others have done before yeah yeah you know of, of course we're inspired by a lot of people but we're just trying to not repeat others work and right. just try to create something interesting and i think that's that's where our thought process for yeah. that stops yeah Okay. Well, I kind of hinted at some of your historical connections. Uh, we've talked about Montreal. I just invoked Constellation Records. The band's trajectory, this band, Fly Pan Am, the trajectory is fascinating. It began, it went, you put out records, you stopped, uh, I believe you stopped in 2004, roughly, or eight? Which yeah, at the end of 2004, yeah. Yeah, and then you reemerged really in 2018, right? Yes, for uh, I mean publicly, uh, yeah. but started working together again, like on a kind of like a regular basis around 2016. Sometimes in 2016. Okay, so so I bring this, all, and now you're you're technically officially with the release of a new album. You're really back, I guess. Is really yeah. where it, that's another external perception. Maybe you've never really went away. But I want to I, I highlight all of these markers in time because I want to ask you about how this band started. And some of those breaks, and why we're here again. Um, oh yeah. And I, and I, I don't ask the last question begrudgingly. I'm happy you're back. 
Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not like guys. Why are we doing this? Come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good question though. <laughs> let Let's save that one. Let's save that question. Can uh, Let's start with JS. JS, can you with and Roger? Please feel free to jump in. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the origins of Fly Pan Am. How this how you two maybe met and how this band came together. And let's let's start with that. Can uh, let's JS? Do you mind fielding that? Well, um, it'll be a little bit harder for me to to give that answer because uh, I, I came in and Roger and Felix had already started working together. Was Jonathan also there? I think Jonathan basically started at the same time as I did. Okay. Like we both came to the first time together. Like okay. we met on, Jonathan and I had met in school. Actually, somehow we all knew each other Yeah. without knowing that we all knew each other. And uh, I had gone to school with Jonathan and, one day I'm going to rehearse at Rogers and Felix's house and I see Jonathan outside on the street and so we walk together and as we're walking we realize that we're both going to the same rehearsal and and yeah, so that's that. how that's how we got to be four. You, I, I wait started, a minute, just a moment. You were both going to the same rehearsal and you didn't realize it? Yeah, we didn't know. I hadn't seen Jonathan like in over a year, I think, or maybe even two. So, yeah, we just met on the street and we're walking the same direction and just, you know, talking and saying like, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? And we're both talking about the fact that we're going to rehearse and we realize that we're going to the same address. That's amazing. (laughs) That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and uh, but so and the reason why I was going there is because I met Roger and, and Felix at uh, where we used to work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, telephone, not telephone company, but anyway, survey company. And so what? And y- just, what year are we talking about here? Nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Ninety-six, ninety-seven. Yeah. You're no. in your very early twenties. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So but, you you end up at this rehearsal. Yeah, so, but I mean, at that point, Roger and Felix, I think, already, like, yeah, had, like, you guys had been playing together. We've been jamming, you know, like, at that time, I'd been playing guitar for, like, probably six months or something, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but we all really wanted to do, you know, you have to understand, like, Montreal at that time, you know, you had Voivod, Men Without Hats, Mitsu. Like right. the music scene was like really barf. very yeah barf <laughs> uh, blast all rotten fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> like you know there was some metal for sure and stuff like that and some punk and hardcore but there wasn't anything like what we wanted to do like we were all listening to like Gaster del Sol and like Bernard Gunter and. Uh, stereo lab and i don't know like drag city stuff early drag city stuff we wanted to make some weird rock music and there was nothing like that in montreal and then we so we we started playing together and then we heard about godspeed and exhaust and we were like super excited because there was these bands that were kind of like us they were a bit older but they were all doing like instrumental like more like leaning on towards the abstract yeah like kind of rock and influenced as much by like sometimes like exhaust for example was influenced by techno and dub and stuff like that and they they had tapes and shit so it all like made super a lot of sense to us to start like exploring like playing with these guys and then everything kind of shifted i mean and this is a point in montreal that is it's very much a show bar culture or pay-to-play culture uh yes and you had to there weren't venues per se to do what you were talking about. You had to, they had to be sort of made <laughs> the hotel, yeah, the hotel, the tango, I believe originally started as a venue, right? Um, yeah. I but mean, people were living there too. It was kind of a loft space. And then they, they decided that to, to like get bands to play there. Cause they had such a big space. Yeah. I think it was like, uh, like, I think maybe you're referring to the fact that it was like the ex- is sh- there was a short-lived period where Morrow and Kiva tried to make like yeah uh, a bar out of it or something out of it. Yeah, yeah, very Mar- short-lived Mar- period. And, and, and the names you reference there are, are Morrow and Kiva, who uh, now run the uh, Castle del Popolo and yeah, Swan- yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the, you know the yeah. other one, La Salarosa. I almost said Suoni per Popolo, but I guess they have a hand in that as well. Yes. Yeah. 
So, but that was very short. I mean, very, very fast. It ended up being like Hotel Totango was the rehearsal space and living quarters for some of them and yeah. studio. And and a funny uh, funny thing about that, to, which because it's, it's kind of the same thing as when Jonathan and I met on the street to go to the same rehearsal space. The first time we played Hotel Totango, we had to, we called a number that was offering lifts to bands to go play shows remember no i don't <laughs> and so and uh so we called that number and it was actually ephraim that was giving lift because they had a moving company <laughs> and so we're and he was like so where are you guys going and we're like we're going to this lost space at the hotel to tank called the hotel to tango and he was like oh this is where i live <laughs> <laughs> i guess i i highlight that just to contextualize what you were up against and what was going on yeah. Uh, because on a, this might sound a little like hy- hyperbole, but that was a revolutionary thing that you were a part of in terms of the rise of the bands you mentioned, Godspeed Exhaust, and the Hotel coming up and Constellation coming up. Yeah. That was really a lot of pushback against the culture at the time oh, in yeah. terms of live music culture, right? That can't be understated. No, definitely. It changed Montreal. Like, you know, like even till now, like it's just Montreal is just, has changed so much. And I would say probably a lot of it is because of that. I would agree. I mean, that's why there was the various music booms that sent the New York Times to Montreal or whoever. That is the direct result of that kind of work that was done in in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helped uh, so many bands to flourish, and yeah, you know, it gave us a space to rehearse, record, and play. And so you can't really like it would. It was so so important for us and for so many people at that time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I I mentioned it to highlight it as well. From yeah, having not experienced it, but sort of knowing a bit about it, I I just wanted to mention that for people who may not be aware. So I. We've gone on a few tangents. You you uh, you end up in this rehearsal. What does the how does the aesthetic of Fly Pan Am kind of develop? I know it's an ever changing, and I, I hesitate to use the word aesthetic as though it's a the sound of the band is any fixed thing. Oh yeah. But talk about the evolution of Fly Pan Am in its initial incarnation uh, before you stopped. How would you describe how you approached? Uh, music making, songwriting together, and whether you actually articulated what you wanted to do together. Um, Roger, do you mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, when we started working on uh, the first record or like, you know, early shows and all that, we were just kind of jamming with ideas. And some of these jams would, you know, some a good riff would pop out and we'd start working on that together. Like we weren't working apart. Uh, we, nobody was coming in with an idea beforehand, like a, an actual riff or something like not that I remember anyways. Uh, things would kind of like take shape in the jam space based on discussions, conversations we'd have out outside of the jam space for sure. Mm-hmm. We were all like obsessed with music, a lot of different kinds of music and we wanted our music to reflect that. Uh, and as the band grew and as we kept making records, we, you know, our tastes changed, our, our uh, intent changed. Uh, initially, we, we were interested in doing stuff that would purposefully actually uh, challenge people. So, for example, on the first record, there's a track that's 17 minutes long and the last 11 minutes of that track is exactly the same thing for 11 minutes apart from electronics that are like sprinkled on top. So uh-huh. it's a very annoying track. And... It's it. We we were interested in that. We were interested in creating defective products, <laughs> things that didn't really make sense, things that would make people, I don't know how to say that, maybe a bit uncomfortable. Like um, it, that's where we were at the time. I'm not being very clear. It's a long time ago, you know. Oh no no, that that was clear. I mean, I think I don't know. Can you maybe explain where that impulse to unsettle people comes from? Yeah, well, for sure, on my end, it came from what I was exposed to artistically. I was a big fan and still am a big fan of Jean-Luc Godard, uh, the Situationists. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I was trying to bring some of that inspiration into something that was more like rock music. So applying some of the concepts of just, I don't even remember the words that I was using at the time, but 
just like weird, like cut up stuff that doesn't make sense, uh, repetitive stuff that's like over repetitive and then you don't lose yourself in it in a kind of comfortable way. You're not just like in a trance, you're like challenged by it. Just like Godal's movies, you were challenged by their structure, the way he would mix stuff, the cut up aspect of his montage. It was like just to just to make sure that we weren't just like doing some complacent yes. aesthetic music. We wanted something that was going to be challenging a bit, but not just to not because we were angry and we wanted to piss people off, more like because we wanted it to be uh, fascinating and like you know like make them work a bit. You, you did. You invoked the the word that I was thinking of as you were speaking, which is complacency. Um, mm. JS, can you talk about that in terms of either your or this band's relationship with complacency? It seems to be a, a force you are opposing in in Fly Pan Am. Is that fair? Oh, I I think so. I think um, like because for me it has to do, and I think for for uh, others in the band too, like. It has to do with like already being uncomfortable living life in society with others and, you know, just just living. And so then I think this just kind of got transposed to making music as well and then starting questioning like rules of yeah. making music yeah. and rules of also good taste, bad taste. Yeah, exactly. And which is why we also changed like from record yes. to record. We yes. don't sound the same. Sometimes our influences, uh, influence, yeah, our, our influences are very different from one record to the other. Like the first record is very dry, very artsy. This, and then by the time you get to Circuit Invent, there's like influences of funk and uh, and pop culture in it, like electronic and and like uh, I don't know how to call it, like. Uh, you know, like TLC and and groups like that, Destiny's Child. And you would like, never hear it, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like we, you know, it's stuff that influenced us, like at least the rhythm section, you know, and yeah. Um, so there was always like we also didn't want to be comfortable, and we yeah. wanted to push ourselves always to like find new ways of creating music, and also knowing at the time that if if we use those influences, we'd be like probably. Uh, making others question at least question what we were doing mm -hmm. and maybe hopefully their tastes and expectations yeah i i, uh, I do find, i have found over the years that and with any constellation associated uh artifact band whatever what have you i feel like people don't always catch the humor and the sense of fun yeah. in play did you yeah. uh, roger did you experience that? like what what js is describing in terms of subtle influences i mean that comes out in this band sometimes those those oh, yeah. those sort of danceable elements it's like you can be serious you can be earnest you can be pushing against the norm and still enjoy yourselves and have fun <laughs> but i feel like that gets missed a little bit would you agree hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, yeah, definitely. I think even for us, uh, to be honest, the first two records, I mean, the first full length and the first EP, we were, and even a little bit of the third one, the one that JS says was kind of influenced by TLC and Alaya and like R&B stuff, sometimes on parts of the record. Uh, those three records for me are a bit austere, and we were taking ourselves very seriously at the time. But with the Nikutepa record, we changed like we intentionally wanted to be more 
we didn't want to take ourselves seriously anymore, but we still were interested in experimenting and juxtaposing things that don't go together. And uh, not like JS says, we wanted to surprise and challenge ourselves. Uh, so the same intentions were there, but we we were trying to be more overtly f free, like kind of not just so serious. I, I think a little bit had to do with the fact that, you know, when we first started, we wanted to like shock the normies. And then, <laughs> and then uh, after that, you realize that, you know, because you first see norm, quote unquote normal people as being like very tight and, you know, whatever. And then at one point you realize that you yourself as a experimental artist <laughs> yeah, exactly. may be just exactly the yeah, same. Yes. So then yeah. you need to loosen yeah. up. And yeah, that's it. hence comes in TLC for myself, Destiny's Child, you know, whatever. Like, And and I think once we reached Nekutepa, we're like, well, okay, well, we should just like let go of all those, yeah. like, all those ideas that that are constraints to yeah, ourselves. That's it. Well, I, I just as a side note, I want to say, you know, Echoing back to that last time we spoke, JS, I mean, that yep. Avec Le Sorton, that record is so fun. Like, that record is so enjoyably fun. And there's so many nice, like, grooves on it that I think I, 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 I was surprised more people didn't gravitate towards it, if I might say. I don't know what that means. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I wish it was on MTV or something. <laughs> but it just seems super fun to me, and I wish more people... I always talk about that record, actually. Like, just how... Oh how fun it is and how how uplifting it is. I was trying to encourage, um, this is a long side note, but yeah, I always used to be like to festival bookers, like just get this band. People are going to lose their minds. It's so fun. Yeah, but they're again, good live too. Yeah, but again, I feel like sometimes that, oh, on Constellation, like how much fun could it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something that you would see in reviews, like that sometimes in the first few lines, people would say like, they were almost shocked because they received the copy. They're like constellation, so they think it's going to be a sad band. <laughs> and then they put it, they put it on, and they're weirded out. I mean, like positively, yeah, weirded out because it's it's just it's dancey and it's like you know, that's it's sort of funny that you've talked about how you want to shake people out of their expectations and complacency, and you've done it both ways. You've done it by being potentially a little discordant, and you've done it you've <laughs> done it by being populist at the same time it's it's interesting i think that really that's really what we're aiming for even with what we're doing now whether that works or not like it's there's this desire to like have this big contrast yes 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 i i and i can hear that it goes there's noise tracks there's full-on rock numbers on this new record um and i want to talk about that in a moment but we should address the fact that fly pan am did stop for a considerable amount of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Roger, do you want to address that? Why did the band stop when it did? Well, we were running into some complications with, like, for example, uh, from what I remember, JS not being as available anymore and kind of not, he, he just didn't even come on the last tours that we did. And also, I think we had kind of agreed that we had said what we had to say yeah. at that time. That was the most important part of it. Yeah. So we that just was, we just stopped. That was actually the first decision. That was like, the first decision. Yeah, which oh, is yeah. which is what prompted me to like not going on those tours. Oh yeah, because okay. we had decided that we had said what we had to say mm -hmm. at the time. We didn't, you know, there was nothing left, or not nothing left for us to explore. But we thought that we had reached the end of what we wanted to do with how we could do it That's at that it. time. Exactly. Okay, okay. So it, it doesn't sound like it was uh, particularly fraught, or it, it sounds like it was an amicable halting? Reasonably, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Nobody was angry and pissed off at each other. It was more like, let's just move on right now. Okay, yeah. and, and so you... One had other plans, and I, I had family obligations. Yeah, and, right. And, uh, you know, uh, people were ready to try something else. Yeah, yeah. So this brings us back. I've been seeing a lot of this myself. The bands I loved maybe 20 years ago and had stopped, something occurs. I don't <laughs> think it's simply a economic or financial reason. Something occurs where... as as men in particular, it seems, get older. 
<laughs> they learn how to communicate a bit better, <laughs> and they learn to get along a little better. There's something kind of odd about. I've noticed that I I can speak as a man in his who played in bands in his twenties, and how I got along with those people at that point, and how I get along with them now. And now yeah. it's uh, it's the same with me and my parents too. I don't know. People think you get softer, but I think you get wiser. I, think, I agree. I think you you learn how to communicate your feelings a bit better. Oh, I, yeah. I would hope. Okay. So it's not a question of becoming softer. No, no, no. It's a question of like you you just said it. Like you're just wiser. You just understand things with more nuance, and you're not as triggered as easily. And you value those relationships more too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've loaded up the fact that you've come back in a particular way and I apologize if I've gone left of uh, left of the dial so to speak here but what what exactly prompted Fly Pan Am to resume in 2016 and, and play a show in 2018 uh, sorry uh, JS let's start with you well in our case it was really uh, out of curiosity of what we could make as music now with all the experience that we had gathered individually in, uh, with our uh, each other's past 10 years of making music and uh, being really excited about the mixture that could come out of it. And also the fact that technology now enables us to do things that we just couldn't do before. Where uh, none of us in the band, well, Roger just finished a degree in music, but at that time, none of us were real musicians. We didn't really have any real knowledge of working with uh computers or anything but but nowadays you you can work around that very easily and so yeah so it was a mixture of all that the fact that now we have technology tools that enables us to go further than what uh, enables us to bring our work further and also just the experience of everything we've done for the past since we broke up or since we stopped I want to uh, I, I want to pick up on that experience thing in a moment, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you actually yep. home in on the technology you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, so the the first few years of Fly Pan Am, we mostly relied on four tapes. So we all our electronics were done four tracks. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, four tracks. Like we we would make our electronics, you know, at home each each other uh, individually, and then we'd have everything on four tracks, and and then we would write write music and find a way to bring both together live. And the electronic stuff was very rustic, very like not exactly handmade, but not computer based. Right. So, uh, I mean, that was good for the time. It was great. But uh, around... Cumbersome by today's standards. Yes. Yeah, but also like around Nekute like we could feel like the limitations of it. That's it. Because like there, sometimes we'd want to, you know, like we wanted the electronics to be more part of the actual song, but we didn't really, we just didn't have the tools or the knowledge to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but now like things change, like, you know, like, I mean, everyone knows just how far computers have gone now and the ease of using Ableton live and, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, Everyone that passes, that spends time on it, will be able to to do something that's good, and so so it was it was so exciting to talk about what we used to do, what we've done individually in the in the past few years, and what we could achieve as a band, looking forward with the tools that we have now. Yeah, well, and so that's really what brought us to think of playing together again yeah roger did you beyond the technological advances when you reconvened did you have a feeling that people were we talked about wisdom and we talked about time and it's an impact on not only um people and their dynamics with each other but i i have noticed that when uh bands get back together even if you've heard that the two the guitar player kept playing but the drummer became an accountant when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. they get back together, I have discovered they seem better. They seem to be even playing better than they ever did. And I yeah. can I can kind of compare the two. I can be like, wow, when I saw the Jesus Lizard in 1997, it wasn't as good as when I saw them in 2009. Like, that's like a weird... That's But that's sort of odd in the rock and roll game. Did you feel... Have you felt in reconvening that people are... And I know this is an odd phrase, but did you feel like people were better <laughs> in some ways? I think so because people just, they've tried so much stuff. 
It's that experience. It's the experience feeding into the band, right? That's it. Yeah. You hone in on what you really are and what you want to explore, and you just get better at that. It's you're not necessarily just being redundant. You, it's like you just figure out how to focus more on what your creativity uh, can lead you to explore. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? I, I, I've just I marvel at it myself. If I yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. If I stop, and also uh, another thing that's important is when our within our band at least there's a certain there's a sense of brotherhood that never really disappeared. It's just maybe for a while we kind of needed some distance. Yeah, but that was something that I can speak for myself here. I want I kind of was missing that. Uh, especially having been having been making music on my own for like over ten years, I needed some kind of connection with somebody else, and uh, I was I was honestly missing the guys. Yeah, yeah, no, the camaraderie is, and that I've used this word on the show a lot. I know it from my own experience. I know it from watching um, Joe Lally and Brendan Canty play together again in the Mesthetics for the first oh, time yeah. in fifteen years. That chemistry thing that we talk about should not be undervalued. Or it, it yeah. is incredible what people in a room who have that magic between them they can do almost anything. You, whenever you see a band and they've substituted a member, it's very glaring that it's disrupted whatever was magical about them. Not in every case, of course, probably, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm very aware of it and how important it is. And I don't know that people really recognize that as much until a band like yours comes back and you're like, yes, the, this group of people do something so specific to themselves that it's particularly special. I, I assume that's part of what you're talking about in the camaraderie. Definitely. Yeah, there, there's that. And I, I was going to bring that, that point up when Roger was talking is that uh, the, there's also the, the feeling of having spent years of listening to each other's uh, work. Mm-hmm. You, you feel confident. You know, like you go in a room with three other people that you actually really like what they do. Yeah. yeah. And so you're 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 just really confident. So it's and uh, I think for us at least like or myself, I should just talk about myself. Like confidence <laughs> has always been like a, tr- a problem. <laughs> and uh, so it's quite exciting and, and uh, it's quite exciting to be in a room and just making music and things are going well, you know, like. Uh, I mean, music-wise, like creative, creatively-wise, yeah. it's just fun to be able to like have confidence in each other's capacities. I yeah, and, and I mean, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're able to come together. So many relationships like this are lost to bitterness or fighting or yeah. you know ir- irreconcilable yeah. differences. It's nice oh. and heartening to hear when a band like yours can come back after ostensibly 15 years apart and not only pick up where you left off, but discover new things. Like that's a pretty, I hope you, (laughs) I don't mean to sound uh, dogmatic in any way or whatever, but I hope you feel fortunate about it. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So we've alluded, I've sort of clumsily alluded to some of the lyrical motifs on Sessa. Is there, uh, I just, in the time we have left, I wonder if there's any overarching thing you want to say about its music or uh, its intent in terms of some of the the songs. Um, and I'm asking you to kind of generalize about a whole record. I know that when you make a record and it's out or it's done, so to speak, at least, you've kind of let go of it. And that's a moment, that time is when you kind of discover things about it that maybe you didn't know. As soon as you hit publish on something, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I I I've no I I just noticed something about this that I didn't when we were making it. Um so I wonder if you have those moments and what you'd like to impart to people who are about to to process it uh, if you can. Roger, is there something you'd like to to tell people about Sesa so to speak? Oh. Uh, I don't know. Like um you know, like to me speaking about the lyrics is pretty difficult because there's some kind of obliqueness to them that's intentional because it's meant to be interpretable um who who composes the lyrics primarily or do you all have a a hand in that well on this record uh you don't have any lyrics when you're singing right (laughs) 
No, Jess doesn't have any lyrics when he's singing. I, I'm, and I'm the other one that sings mostly, apart from Jess. Jess is the one that screams most of the time. Oh, he, yeah. He's not improvising words. You're saying he literally just screams. Um, I, I use uh, wordless vocals, just as, just as the same as uh, same as I do uh, in Le Soleil or solo. I. Yeah. I, I I find myself to be a poor writer, so I just let emotions guide through sounds. But yeah, so I don't use words. They are throat shredding shrieks, if I might say. Do you have to have a lozenge after? <laughs> or uh, oh uh, no, I get used to it. You get used to it. It's pretty. It's pretty out there. It almost doesn't sound human, if I might say. Yes, you're uh, right about that. <laughs> yeah. It, again, when we were talking earlier about the cacophony and. I think your voice is this perfect uh, amalgam of the wildness of the forest and the creatures and, <laughs> you yeah. know, cars and buzzsaws in the city or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty, pretty out there. Amazing. That's great. I'll take that any day over <laughs> just quote unquote black metal vocals, no. which I <laughs> most of the time. And I'm always like, Ugh, that's not where it's from but whatever yeah yeah but, it's from somewhere i don't know where it's from but it's it's something else if i might say yeah no that's great i i, I really like that uh the uh the the the, the links you yeah descriptions you that was great it, it kind of does sound like a lynx like an actual lynx screaming <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we have one in studio and i just pull on the tail and, and <laughs> sounds. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you roger where were you gonna go with that uh, yeah. So I'm then I'm the I'm Jonathan wrote the beginning part of one of the songs lyric wise. That's uh, discrete channeling. Yeah. Uh, but the rest is all me. Okay. Okay. So so you're saying that you've I like I said I was clumsily trying to describe. Uh, I believe I was talking about. Um, no, I wasn't talking about distance dealer. I was talking about a different song. I, I, We're I, talking about discrete channeling. That's yeah. correct. That's right. And I was trying to talk about the word association stuff that was going on there. When you the word association stuff is Jonathan. Right. Okay. Okay. So in terms of almost looking at it objectively, then are you seeing th- themes emerge on this record that surprise you, or is it too well, young? Is it too young to figure that out? To be honest, I'm not surprised by it because for some reason I'm always really focused on what it is I want and like it always feels like I kind of nailed it. So it I'm never surprised afterwards. I'm never going, Oh wow, I didn't realize that was there. That's never happened to me with anything. Okay. But there is a general theme uh regarding the lyrics on my end. What I wanted to uh explore was basically uh, escapist tendencies through virtual worlds. Yes, there's a piece on there's a song called "Interface Our Shattered Dreams" that really hammers that home. I I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's all like, you know, distance dealer to me is like somebody's you know selling you distance from reality. It's right, right, right. Okay, so this is very rich and contemporary life and and the yeah it's, i'm very obsessed with that like you know the way we're like drugged out of our minds on internet connections and stuff like whatever yeah. escapist uh routes we take or it's it's not you know it's not necessarily um i'm not necessarily criticizing it i'm looking at it i find it's more complex it's not black and white I mean, at this point, it's like criticizing the sky. I mean, it's just there. Yeah. There's not much we can. We've 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 agreed to this. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we we've just agreed that this is the way we're gonna. I work uh, primarily on a university campus, and I don't want to sound like an old man, but it is fascinating <laughs> to just see people just by themselves looking at their phones. I mean, yes. and that's just hordes and hordes of people not talking to each other or walking together in a, a group of four and each looking <laughs> at their phones. Like not yes. Again, it's impossible not to sound like I'm a 90-year-old grandpa, but it is fast like like you say, I'm 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 almost past being troubled by it. Uh, or even mortified by it. I'm just at this point just fascinated. Just like, what does this mean? Where are we going? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we. I appreciate this conversation about your band and 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 this record. I, I hope you feel like we got to some stuff. Um, what's next for Fly Pan Am? Will you be playing shows? 
Yeah, we're playing, uh, we're doing a small Ontario tour in a few weeks. We're actually playing Guelph. Nice. And we're playing, uh, I think, what, like seven dates? The launch yeah. is in Montreal. We, we're launching the record uh, in Montreal on the 20th, and then we're like uh, heading, heading into Ontario until the 28th. So yeah, I'm looking to ahead. see when we're playing Guelph. On the 27th of September, Friday the 27th, on at silence silence sounds oh, okay okay and then we're going to be um working with we've been working with them a bit uh already but we're working with a dance company called animals of distinction and we're uh we're providing the soundtrack to the next piece we're going to be performing presenting that stuff in quebec in november and then in montreal at place des arts uh, in december and then we're going to be touring that stuff eventually and touring as a band uh, on our own uh, on our own in Europe in 2020. So Fly Pan Am is definitely back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. You're full force back. It sounds like this is a real commitment. Yeah, we're we're already thinking about an, 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 the next record. Oh, amazing. That's great. Yeah. That'll be different. <laughs> yes. Well, More change. I'm, I'm sure it might be. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, for people who want to learn more about Fly Pan Am I assume, and CESA, I assume cstrecords.com is a good place to go. Anywhere else? Definitely. Also, our Facebook page. But, uh, are, yeah. you, are, you on the, are you on the other things? Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, we're on Twitter, too. And on Bandcamp, I guess. Bandcamp is where they can pick up the record as well. Okay, cool. If we're on Bandcamp, it's through Constellation. I have to yeah. admit, I don't know yeah, anything don't. about that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'm wondering if we can go out on a song from Sesa, and if so, I wonder if you, uh, one of you, I don't want to pick which one of you picks, because that would be uh, maybe overstepping my bounds. But if you, <laughs> between the two of you, can suggest a song we can go out on so people can check it out, that would be great. Would you mind doing so? Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm horrible at deciding, so I, I'm gonna let Roger do that. Yeah, let's let's go with that one. Let's go with uh, the one you uh, mentioned earlier. Interface our shattered dreams. I just want to point out that saying you're indecisive is a pretty decisive thing to say. You oh yeah, I own it now. You owned it like right away. You made a decision that you couldn't decide. That was <laughs> sort of contradictory stuff going on there but i appreciate it that. yeah it's a strength now <laughs> this is uh, interface your shattered dreams by fly pan am from their excellent new record uh sesa uh, js roger this was a pleasure for me i hope you enjoyed yourselves and best of luck in the future absolutely yeah, thank you very much thank you thanks uh thanks a lot to you
Very special thanks to Roger and JS from Fly Pan Am for appearing on this, the 499th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on other things, lots of other things, all of the other things, Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom. It's everywhere you want to be. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly, semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, it's not as regular as I would like, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. I've just added a $6 tier, and anyone who pledges $6 or more to the show on Patreon will have access to exclusive audio content that I will be publishing at least twice a month, drawing from my personal archive of interviews with really awesome people from the past, at least, I mean, that I've interviewed in the past. There's some hope most of them are still around, but I digress. Anyway, go to patreon.com slash creative control and you can learn more about that tier. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And if you like the music that's playing behind me right now, that's Jim. jimguthrie.org to learn more about him. And finally, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode and for subscribing to the show and, and checking out other episodes and maybe telling a friend to do the same and spreading the word about the show. It means a lot. And, yeah, episode 500. We, we were almost there, and that'll be coming out soon. So thank you for listening to all 499 episodes of this show. Most of them are okay, I hope. And there's more to come. So thanks again. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.